Last week we, we focused on this notion of lostness. And we saw how it was pretty obvious that, that the younger brother was, was lost because he'd gone away and he'd, he'd lived a very kind of self-evidently lost, wayward life as he squandered his inheritance. And we saw that the elder brother equally was lost, but in a different way. Because actually, both of them were more interested in what they could get from the father than having relationship with the Father. And that perhaps was a a challenging way of looking at the passage, remembering that this story was told to, to the tax collectors and sinners, but also to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And that elder brotherness was something that the, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were certainly culpable in. This week, as we look at the true elder brother, I'd like us to look at, at what the parable teaches us about forgiveness, because there's bucket loads in here about forgiveness. Because as somebody is lost, so they have lost relationship. And in order to regain relationship, there needs to be forgiveness. And once we've looked at what what there is of forgiveness in this passage, then I want us to see that there's a missing character. And then I want us to look at who the true elder brother is. So forgiveness... There's loads in this parable about forgiveness. And again, on one level, it's, it's very uh, straightforward and obvious. And I guess the, the, the forgiveness is most obvious in the father's response to the younger brother. Although it is offered to the elder brother too. But I think there are three things that, that it would be important to look at about forgiveness that we can see in this passage. See, forgiveness is assertive. It's the first thing. Forgiveness is also sacrificial. And forgiveness is fundamental. It's a part of who we are if it's to be forgiveness. So forgiveness is assertive, it's sacrificial, and it's fundamental. Let us just have a quick look at each of those things. It would be now, oh, sorry there, just knocked one of the people off the table. Never mind. I guess as we look at the story, it would be quite understandable for the father seeing the younger brother returning to be stood at his porch, arms folded, and be thinking, aye, aye, (laughs) I wonder what tale he's going to spin me as he wanders back here looking sorry for himself. You would understand if that was the response. He kind of stands on the porch just waiting to hear what is going to be the story that the younger son gives. But no, 
Verse 20 says, While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran to his son. The father's forgiveness is assertive. It takes initiative. He goes out to the younger son and he pounces on him. Literally in the Greek, it says he fell on his neck. That sounds quite uncomfortable. But he literally threw himself at his younger son. This wasn't a kind of a man-hug thing going on. This was full-blown, complete welcome and acceptance. And that is so consistent with what Jesus teaches about forgiveness elsewhere. Several times you, you get a very clear picture from Jesus that if someone has something against you, you go. And you sort it out with them. If you have done something against somebody else, you go and put it right. Forgiveness needs to be assertive. Forgiveness needs to take initiative. I wonder how often we stand on the proverbial porch where there's a breakdown in relationship and think, well, all right. If they come to me, I'll think about it. I'll see what I can do. But I'm not going to them. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Trouble is, that's the way the world looks at so many problems. It says, well, yeah, if they come to me, well, then, yeah, maybe. Maybe after a bit of groveling, I'll, I'll have them back. But that's not what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches you go and you seek restoration. You look to do whatever you can to forgive, to put it right. It's always for us to take the initiative. And that's uncomfortable, isn't it? That, that doesn't feel very easy because it's not usually kind of trifling things that are difficult to forgive. It's usually kind of biggish things that are difficult to forgive. But Jesus says, you take the initiative. You go. And we see that in the Father. He takes the initiative. He runs out. He flings himself on the boy that has actually been a right royal pain. And he welcomes him back. Now you might be saying, well, yeah, it's easy for Jesus to teach that. I mean, he's the son of God, for goodness sake. So, of course he's going to teach that. But actually, let's just look at the cost of forgiveness that's in the story. And then we'll look too at the cost of forgiveness that Jesus had to bear. See, after being assertive, forgiveness is also sacrificial. It costs something. 
didn't cost anything for the younger brother, but it did cost something nonetheless. See, the younger brother has wronged the father in at least three ways, seems to me. He's wronged him financially. He's almost certainly put him out because so much of wealth in those days was tied up in in property and land. And so for, for the younger brother to get his bit, he'd have had to sell stuff, sell land, probably fields, in order to get that wealth would be the implication. So he's wronged him financially. He's wronged him socially. Because this was a society where the elder was very much esteemed and where family order was recognised and where to, 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 to go against that brought shame. And shame was a big deal in those days. It was a big social no-no. I mean, just think for a minute. I don't know if you remember the hoo-ha over Patrice Evra, the Manchester United footballer, and Luis Suarez, the Liverpool footballer, and the whole kind of racial taunts thing going on. And one day, they were due to meet each other, and they were supposed to shake hands, and and it didn't happen. And there was a great hoo-ha that this didn't happen, that, that a simple shaking of hands didn't happen. It was in all the media. What a complete disgrace. And if that was seen as a disgrace in our generation, in our society, how much more was this a disgrace in a society that was all about shame and pecking order? So the father was wrong financially, the father was wrong socially, but actually he was wrong personally as well. Basically, the younger son had come to him and said, I wish you were dead. Because I want your money. I don't care about you. I wish you were dead. And so the father had every right to make that boy pay. He had every right to respond. Actually, even if he'd accepted the terms that the younger son came back with. And that would have seemed pretty reasonable. Because the younger son comes back and, 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 and says, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He says, verse 18, I'll go back to my father and I'll work for him as one of his hired men. Actually, the father would have seemed like quite a reasonable, nice bloke if he'd taken him back on those terms. But no, he put aside all of that. And actually, he threw away all his dignity. Because for an elder in that situation, to even welcome him back was one thing. But actually, there's a picture of even greater indignity. He would have had to lift up his robes Bearing his legs. I'm sorry, I've just bared mine. That's probably put you off your lunch. But he would have picked up his robes, bared his legs, and run. The indignity of seeing that would have been outrageous. 
But the Father did it. He sacrificed dignity. He sacrificed financially because he came back, brought him back and threw him a party, put on the best robe, gave him a ring, put sandals on his feet, said, you are welcome back. Lock, stock and barrel. You're back in. That father sacrificed so much. Wouldn't let him grovel. Wouldn't let him pay him back. But honours him and welcomes him. Forgiveness is sacrificial. Because you see, whenever we are wronged, there is a debt of some kind, isn't there? Whatever that debt might be, it might be financial. Somebody smacks into our car, then it costs money to to rebuild it. Somebody takes something from us, it costs money. But maybe somebody insults us, but there's a cost there. To our standing in society, perhaps. To our our own feelings. But there is always a debt to pay when we are wronged. And what the Father does here is he absorbs that debt. He takes it. And says it is no more. See, wherever there is a wrong to be righted, either the person that has wronged needs to pay or the person that has been wronged needs to pay. But there's always a debt to be paid. And so forgiveness is sacrificial because it's basically saying, I will absorb the pain. I will absorb the cost. I will absorb whatever it is in order to restore relationship. I will no longer hold that against you. Because if you hold it against them, then there's still a debt. And it's not forgiveness. But that's costly. That's difficult. I guess, you know, in our, in our society... It makes us see why the whole kind of litigation thing is so poisonous. Because it makes us chase after recompense. And it kind of gets us all caught up in in a kind of a blame type thing. That we deserve to be paid back. That we deserve to have our rights. That we deserve this and that. And it can really screw us up. But to forgive requires sacrifice. So forgiveness is assertive, takes initiative, and forgiveness is sacrificial. It costs something. And the third thing about forgiveness from this passage is that it's fundamental. It's deep-seated. It's not a surface thing. It's very much in the core of us for it to be real. See, forgiveness is a heart decision. Even before you see a person that you need to forgive, there needs to be a heart thing going on. 
There needs to be something inside you that, that is saying, I am willing to forgive. And sometimes we need to get through a process to that place of saying, well, okay, I am ready to begin to think about this. I'm beginning to get to the point where I could forgive. And then a bit further on, there's a, yes, now I can forgive and I'm going to try to forgive. It's a heart decision to forgive. You see, again, in verse 20, the father sees the son from far off and he is filled with compassion. Filled with compassion. See, the father didn't just think, oh, like that, I'm going to go and forgive. It wasn't a spur of the moment thing. He'd gone through it in his head. But it had to. He'd have had to allow it to penetrate within him. Maybe even have rehearsed the moment where the son came back, knowing that actually he would need to work to forgive. Because if he'd been nursing a grudge against the son, when the son appeared on, on the horizon, he'd have been out there to clobber him, not to hug him, not to receive him. He'd have been out there to beat him and say, you're good for nothing. But no, in his heart there was compassion. He took a risk, the father, because he decided that whatever the son did, he would forgive. Because of course the son could have come back and said, Dad, can I have another kind of 20 grand go on what would he have done then he needed to have made the decision to forgive and when the, the son came he was able to act that forgiveness out because the compassion was already fundamental. It was within him. It was in his heart. So forgiveness in this story is, is assertive. It's sacrificial. And it's fundamental. It goes to the heart of who we are. It can't just be a surface thing. Yeah, yeah, you're forgiven. When deep inside, there's nothing we'd like better than to see that person fall because they've hurt us. for the listeners to this parable as indeed for us this is kind of challenging but just for a moment think about these listeners they've heard three parables all together parable of the lost sheep parable of the lost coin and then parable of the lost sons they've all come one after the other in the first two somebody goes out like the children did looking for that which was lost Searching actively until it was found. And it was fab the way you adults kind of participated in that, by the way. Top job. That was great. But as they found the little um, figures around the room and brought them to the front here, there was that kind of activeness. And that, that happened in the first two parables. But in the third parable here, nobody goes looking. 
And as people were listening to Jesus telling these stories, they'd be thinking, well, hang on a minute. Isn't there something missing here in this third story? Shouldn't there be somebody going out looking? Because yes, the father went and met the son, but he didn't go looking for him. And actually they'd have been thinking, culturally, actually the elder brother, he should have been going, looking for his son. He should have been seeking to restore the family's dignity by bringing the, el- the younger son back. Think about other elder brothers that, that would have been in the consciousness of the listeners to Jesus in that day. Cain, in the story of Cain and Abel, Genesis 4. Am I my brother's keeper? There was an expectation that the elder brother would take responsibility. Reuben, the eldest of twelve, when Joseph was being kidnapped and being mistreated, Reuben was the one that was concerned about what was going on. The elder brother was expected to take responsibility. But here, the elder brother certainly wasn't taking responsibility. There was an absent elder brother. And I guess the fact is that the the elder brother, the true elder brother, was telling the story. Because actually the true elder brother was living out the story. Because Jesus, as he told this story to those who were ultimately going to kill him, He had come from heaven to earth to seek out those that were lost. He had come and he sat before those people that were going to kill him. And he didn't just throw his arms around them, he stretched his arms out as he later died on the cross. And as we heard last week, even as he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus, the true elder brother, sat amongst those people that wanted him dead. And he reached out in love to them. He was assertive. He was sacrificial. And fundamentally, part of who he was was compassionate, was forgiving. Jesus was the true elder brother, missing from the story, but present because he was telling it. So how do we respond to that? Well, I just wonder, what kind of a a Christian community could we be if we learned to forgive time and time and time again in the way of this story? Sure, there are plenty of examples where we have forgiven. 
But there's also plenty of times where there's, there is unforgiveness that holds us back. We might dress it up and say, well, yeah, I just don't have anything to do with that person. But actually, what we're saying is they've done something, they've ticked me off, and I really don't want anything to do with them. When in our hearts, we're called to forgive. And that's not easy. As we've seen, it's, it's a tough call. But that's a part of our response to the God who came from heaven to earth because he loved us. That he would help us to love others. That he would help us to forgive where we've been wronged, where there are debts that are owed that we would do everything that we can to put that right. Some people will spurn that. Some people will reject that. But our hearts can be turned to forgiveness with God's help. Maybe there are situations that you face where you just think, really? Are you sure? I sometimes think that. But we have to get to a place where we say, no, okay, maybe first base is I'm willing to forgive. And then second base is um, I can imagine how that will be to forgive. And third base might well be I am now going to try and forgive. sometimes talked about it to, to focus as being a little bit like a, a videotape or a DVD. Unforgiveness is like keeping a DVD in the DVD player and just playing the incident over and over and over again. Rewind, rewind, rewind. Forgiveness is first of all reaching for the eject button, taking a decision. Then it's taking the DVD out of the player. Then it's putting it in the box. And eventually it's about having it in the cupboard under the stairs. Where it's there, but it's right at the back. Gathering dust. Maybe occasionally as you're doing a bit of spring cleaning you'll see it. But you think, oh yeah, that was that. Or maybe you'll see it and, and you feel a taint of pain but you know it's been dealt with. But unforgiveness is about going back up, pulling it out, opening it up, sitting down, watching it and playing it again and again and again. Forgiveness is challenging, but it's so important. I'm going to finish with, with, with that thought. If you'd like us to, to stand with you in, in, in prayer, to, to, to help you on a journey of forgiveness, please don't go without asking somebody to pray with you, to stand with you, to walk with you. People will not stand in judgment of you, but will stand as fellow sinners, fellow strugglers, 
to pray that you would be able to forgive situations.